0: And welcome to Station Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined by my friend and yours, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's Cyprus?
1: Hey, it's well, it's raining at the moment, but uh, oh. it was very nice this morning. We're we're in a little bit of a cold spell by our standards, so it's it's chilly at night. Nothing like as chilly as where you are, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're we're sort of everybody's going. They're at that sort of, okay, that's enough of this winter now. Uh, Because what tends to happen is we have a little bit of dodgy weather for another week or so, and then it's like someone flicks a switch, and it goes to summer overnight. So everybody's waiting for that now. Mm. So what is the name of the rain you have today?
0: Because you have all these creative red sand and uh, green grass and (laughs) blue ocean and the wind that... uh, Gets up your keister, I don't know what they all are.
1: <laughs> well, I, I don't know what the name of it, Um, I, I could look it up, but it's uh, it's Yellow Sand. And actually, most of Europe is getting it at the moment. So, I mean, even the UK was getting some Yellow Sand a couple of days ago.
0: Mm. Well, Comes up from the Sahara. Of, most of the Europe seems to be getting everything at the moment, but that's a whole different story, isn't it, that we're not
1: going to talk about? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh,
0: I, I tell you, I read something this morning, and I... Quickly went back to my you know, sort of blackout of trying to avoid a lot of this stuff because boy was I almost in tears.
1: Yeah, really, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's some there's some heavy stuff. And yesterday an American commentator, I'm I don't remember his name, and if I did I wouldn't say it anyway. But some sort of um media type tweeted that he asked the question whether Zelensky owned a shirt because he felt it was a little bit disrespectful to address the joint houses in a t-shirt uh and to twitter's eternal credit i suspect he won't say that again (laughs) um he got avalanched absolutely avalanche which i guess was probably his intention in the first place but just yes just i think a rule in life try not to sort of get publicity out of a war it's just not a good look, no, no, I didn't see your tweet for that <laughs> well, my tweet was uh i I praised him for his astute um insight because of the sartorial battle that we were all in. I think it was the phrase i used oh uh, and th- I look forward to to some more cutting insight from him. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't say anything nasty at all, and well, he struck me as the sort of fellow that. Might actually miss sarcasm, so I don't know.
0: I figured you were you were fighting with the U.S. president last week, so uh, we're down to journalist level. <laughs> Stu, we we got we got to wrap it up here, buddy.
1: I, I certainly wasn't fighting with the U.S. president. I was giving him the benefit of my advices. One old man to an older one. Hmm. Grumpy old man.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, some follow up from from last week. I think I might have cost you some money. Sure.
1: Uh, yes, you did yeah I um uh inspired by your talk uh I went off and bought myself set app uh for a couple of reasons I mean one sounded like some of the stuff in there was going to be really useful two uh they're in Ukraine. please see previous conversation so uh i I subscribed did all that um i to do that I had to cancel my um Kleenex or at least stop it renewing mm-hmm uh, and they've got they've got this really nice little thing saying, "Oh, you're going? Oh, why? Well, what was the problem?" And I just said, "Look, I'm not I'm not going. I'm just buying a more expensive product. You don't need to give me a refund or anything. It's cool. It's great. <laughs> you know, good luck." But as I had a couple of licenses spread across different machines, I sort of found myself typing the same thing again and again, which was good because I had text expander. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I, I got into there. Uh, it's a little bit confusing for um, well me um particularly the iOS ones because you have to install the iOS ones in a very clever way um which you know involves those those dastardly codes whatever they're called the uh, QR codes
0: oh i haven't actually used the iOS stuff because well uh you know i'm i'm a mac heavy kind of guy in my workflow so um i haven't I haven't tried that so i i'm i'm glad to know that it's something i should avoid well you you sort of
1: open it up on your mac uh, and then uh take a photo of the QR code to make it all work on your uh on your mobile device. Ew. But anyway, I've I've got ISTAP menu, uh, menus or menus uh, in there. I've got I've got bartender in there. Hmm. Um and I've been I'm experimenting with all the emails. I have all the emails installed. Mm-hmm. Um uh but more about that later, actually, email. You've uh, you've inspired me in another way email-wise. Oh. Um and yeah, that's so far so good i i was also inspired i spent some time with uh one password doing a little bit of cleaning up uh i hope i've deleted redundant passwords and not (laughs) not useful ones um but possibly more follow-up on that in the the weeks to come uh and and one final one somebody else i forget who a newsletter that i read uh was talking about good links i don't know if you've come across this um it's essentially an app uh, and an extension. So you have an extension on Safari, and it's somewhere to send those articles to read later. You know, much like Pocket or anything like that. Mm. But the the app, which lives on your Mac and your iOS device, is just really elegant to read later uh, that you can tag and that you can very easily share. So I'm very interested at the moment in... Uh, content um and my newsletters and that there's stuff i'm working on and i've always struggled curating content for my newsletter because mm-hmm. i tend to read things go oh that was really interesting and then delete it <laughs> uh, so i'm hoping that good links will help me sort of gather those things together as always the trick will be the workflow rather than the app but
0: <laughs> that reminds me of something i did the other day you sent me um A subscription to something. Thank you very much. I mean, I just talked to you about this. Ah, yes. A newsletter. Yes. And uh, when you say, you know, you read something and then delete it. uh, I deleted something, then undeleted it, and then read it. Uh, because as I was deleting it, I saw the name Stuart Lennon on it and uh, went, oh, what's that? So I had to go back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you thought you were being spammed. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, you know what it's like. You, you, put your, you put your name on the interwebs and all of a sudden you get all kinds of junk mail. Uh, but yes, uh, no, I thank you very much for that. That is a fantastic read so far. Yeah, Just spent a few minutes on it and uh, quite enjoy it and feeling very civilized with it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't really. Um, I've sort of had a free trial of it, but I'm. I it was good enough to make me think. yeah, do you know what? I'll sign up for a year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then and they they give you a a very sort of gentlemanly offer if you want to sign up a friend. So I thought, okay, well, I'm, if I'm going to suffer through it, I'll make Twyford suffer through it too.
0: <laughs> the ultimate in revenge for all the money I cost you.
1: <laughs> uh, no, but it's uh, it's called Air Mail uh, for anybody who's listening. And it's, uh, uh, the man's got a fantastic name, which escapes me. Gaydon something, I think it is. Graydon Carter um, and Alessandra Stanley are the um, the editors. And it's all sorts of um, interesting news. So you get a news issue on a Saturday morning. Well, Saturday morning, New York time. Then there's The Week in Culture on a Wednesday. Uh, the Thursday book report, that'll be on a Thursday, surprisingly enough, and some special deliveries. But they're written by proper journalists, long-form articles. I'm going to guess, given that it was recommended by Stephen Fry, it's probably going to be on the liberal side of the political spectrum, but uh, I don't know yet.
0: Yeah, I, I read a few articles on it and they were, they're very good long form, something I'd never heard of before and uh, quite enjoyed it actually. Hmm. Refreshing, refreshing look. Um, I didn't find any significant political leanings on it. Mm-hmm. It seems uh, thoughtfully presented. Um, you know, I'm sure there are some, you know, you you can't be publishing on the internet without any bias, but uh, sure. nothing that is is enough to make you cringe, let's put it that way.
1: They have uh, a podcast too, ah. uh, which the first one that I got. Uh, I, I'm just scrolling through my podcast thing need to find the name. Exciting podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's just classy. I mean, it's, it's me all over. Uh, it's called Morning Meeting. There you go. Mm. Uh, and the first the first piece that they had was a Russian. Journalist uh, living in Russia, which is not really a journalist. She's she's an artist. Um, What was she? A teacher. She was a teacher, Uh, but quite outspoken. Um, And they were talking to her about the reality of living in Russia now. You know, with with all that's going on. Uh, See conversation, two conversations ago, and um, a really fascinating piece. And I think I just. A brilliant balancing piece. Mm, nice about you know. There's uh, certainly in the UK there have been uh, some instances of people sort of verbally abusing Russians because they're Russian. Which is uh, it's that sort of mind blowing stupidity that got us into this mess. <laughs> we need to stop that sort of thing. Um, and it's just it's really interesting. I recommend it. Excellent. We'll have links in the show notes. Cool. And uh, what about you? What's, what's your follow-up?
0: Well, my follow-up, I saved myself some money again. Well, Apple <gasps> saved me some money. That's twice now. Yeah. Well, I, I went back to spend money again, Stu, and I can't. Um, the Mac Studio that we talked about last week, having been announced, started hitting the, the people this week. Mm-hmm. The embargo, I think, was lifted, and I saw some of the performance statistics on it.
1: <laughs> uh, I thought this might be a deciding thing for you.
0: So, yeah, that, uh, boy, did that change. Uh, so The the single core performance now, I'm not going to get into Apple uh, technology too much. Single core performance is stuff that most people do. You know, if you're reading an email, is likely going to be single core performance. You know, it's not particularly computer heavy. There's not a huge amount of difference between the new fancy back-to-back chips and the the 2020 m1 that i have however what apple has done is it's added a bunch more cores to it so mine's an eight core now they're up 20 core you are now looking at multi-core threaded performance So if you're running something like let's say logic, which I use for recording and editing podcasts, and generally when I, at the end of the process of editing, I have to create the audio file that you guys are downloading and listening to now. And that means that I hit process on my Mac and I walk away. Otherwise I'd sit here listening to it sound like a jet engine with all the fans revving and, uh, you know, all the iStep menus that Stu was talking about, they're just all pinned and it's a very labor intensive process and it takes, takes a little bit of time. Some of the enhancements that I do to remove fridge sounds and air conditioning sounds and whatever else that we get while we're recording, uh, they will take 45 minutes to an hour to run. The new Mac is about four times as fast on those. It has
1: huge, huge
0: multi-core performance gains compared to what I have.
1: And what spec were you looking at? Were you looking at a Max or? I was looking at the Ultra. An Ultra? Ultra, of course.
0: (laughs) You know, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go big. We've just learned this about myself. And we're going to talk about my propensity to acquire stuff uh, a little bit later on. And this was just going to be stuff... But would you believe it? They're actually now shipping in June. Mm. And as we record this, I, and I was looking at this, it was like March the 11th. Sure. So I was like, oh, oof. I'm just, uh, you know, that's that's a lot to throw down that kind of cash and wait three months for it. So I I, I saved money. And then my wife went out and bought a new expensive bedroom set for a
1: spare room. Oh, there you go.
0: For the guests that we don't even have. Go figure.
1: <laughs> yes this is a prob- problem that i i share with you i i feel your pain Mm-mm. even when we don't have pandemics i've got some very very nice bedrooms but no guests
0: yes yes uh, so that will be coming soon and oh, that was that was a hefty investment mrs t well anyway uh, speaking of things and stuff did i see that you finished your lego
1: <laughs> the typewriter yes uh i did um uh, well, what, what do I think of it? Well, it's a very complex build, uh, which I knew going in, because there's lots of moving parts. I'm always astonished by the ingenuity of it all um, and how they sort of get these little pieces to go together in such a way as to so – it's incredible. It's an incredible piece of design. And it's lovely, and I, even the current Mrs. L likes it.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it wrapped in plastic and on display yet?
1: <laughs> it's on display, certainly not wrapped in plastic. <laughs> but the um the thing that struck me was you know if, if I took this apart now, mm-hmm. um it would, you know, all of the pieces would, would essentially go. I'd probably put them in a big Ziploc bag inside the box, because that's the sort of fellow I am. But they arrived in upwards of twenty-five bags. Mm-hmm. And in the instructions, you have grab, bags, one. And you will find two or three bags with a one on them. And inside those bags, you might find a little bag. Of course, that wouldn't happen. And I've just got visions of having to try and reconstruct that from the constituent pieces with no guidance as to which pieces are in which bag, because they're all in one bag. <gasps> wow. God, that, would, that would keep a, a, a young teenager quiet for potentially months if you kept feeding them oh
0: maybe i should try that i have a teenager at home mm. then again i'm I'm not sure uh, she'd be into typewriters.
1: yeah well okay well, i'm i have i have been casting some covetous uh glances at the at the interweb mm. because there there was a um i'm part of a, a mastermind that i do with the guys on the focus course and or the focus academy as a focus course academy one of those is right um and our little sort of mini mastermind is called Treehouse, and lego fun enough make a very nice tree house with three and a half thousand pieces oh my gosh mm. so <laughs> who knows who knows there may be more lego in my life we, i'm not sure yet
0: mm. I at least having something completed
1: it way to go yeah absolutely no it was good i enjoyed i enjoyed the experience As I say, I'm I'm not sure I would want to take it apart and put it back together again. I don't think I would enjoy that so much. No.
0: Hobbies like that are great for winter, where you can't be necessarily out as much. Mm. Uh, I know for myself, I certainly get a lot more
1: uh, time normally in the winter than I would do in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. All right. What about the tool of the week? What's your tool of the week, Justin?
0: All right. Mine's pretty boring and utilitarian, Mm. but... It's really practical. I bought myself a shredder for in my office. So I'm thinking about stuff as we've alluded to. We're going to talk about that later. And I've been accumulating a small pile of paper, you know, jobby job stuff, sure. that I want to shred. Now, I'm not sure what your your setup is like. Maybe you're smarter than I am, but we have a family shredder which my wife keeps in her home office. Slash upstairs bedroom. Um, And and it's fine. And I kind of batch everything together. And once in a while, I I go up there and I go through everything and grind it. And I realized that what I was doing was creating a pile of stuff that, as we're going to talk about, cognitive energy has been zapped by knowing this is a task that I have to do. Mm Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, you know, I, I'm privileged enough to be able to throw a, you know, small amount of money at this problem and bought myself uh, an Amazon basics, eight sheet, high security, micro cut, paper, CD, and credit card shredder with pull out basket. Wow. Because, I don't know. You got to, you got to keyword stuff these things, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's just a little wheeled unit. It's, it's big enough that. It's not one of those little home units that overheats once you put two things, two pieces of paper through it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I just have it plugged in sitting in the corner of my office. And when I have a piece of paper now, I just reach back and zip away it goes. And I tell you what, the liberating effect this has from just a small pile of paper, it's not a huge pile of paper, but a small pile of paper when I have something that I'm done with, it goes in there, it's gone. It's lovely. I'm, I'm, blown away by the functionality of it for a inexpensive investment in so far as you know um, generally the you know in in terms of my office is probably one of the cheapest things that's in here because well i like stuff um but wow it's just so functional so i'm pretty impressed with that what's your
1: setup for a shredder, do uh well we have something very very similar except uh we we don't have uh we don't have one upstairs um my wife simply Holds the paper out, ah, uh, and, and waits for me to take it off her. Mm. Uh, and then uh, my shredder is down here. Um, I've got a smaller one because uh, only a couple of months ago, actually, I was looking at the uh, the Amazon shredders, and then I was going through the whole. Oh, I live on an island. Oh, delivery? How much? <laughs> um, mm. And so, sort of made a note that next time I was in my my favourite uh sort of electronic electric shop i would pick one up here because shipping it on amazon.de was uh, was just too much money um but i've got a little one here and as you say if you're doing a couple of pages now and again it's fine if i was faced with having to do you know 100 pages then it would be quite tiresome because it does does get quite hot quite quickly yeah cool
0: cool yeah, it's it's a neat thing to have.
1: Mm. All right, what, what's your tool of the week, Stu? Uh, my tool of the week was uh, what is exercise.
0: Hold on a sec. Uh, can you define that for me? I've not heard of this
1: before. <laughs> well, I mean, the way I define it is uh, it's nothing really any more strenuous than walking. Mm. As as I'm mm, sort of at the portly side of my size range, mm-hmm. um, I I've only got well a couple of pairs of jogging bottoms that I can fit into, Um, and I'm about to go on a business trip, I thought, okay, I need to get serious about this. So I've been eating very well, and very little, and exercising a lot more. So the way that I tend to approach these things is, I I, first thing I do in the morning is go walking and just keep going. So I'm doing sort of four or five kilometers a day um, at a reasonable pace, I'm lucky in that I live in a, in a very nice part of the world, and even though it's a bit chilly by our standards, um, it's perfectly good to go out walking. Mm. Uh, and yeah, great, I'm feeling much better for it. I come into my day energised, uh, and by the end of the day, which for me is, you know, very early, I mean, I'm, I'm rarely up beyond 9.30, oh. and I fall into bed absolutely exhausted having uh, – I'm walking, well, I don't know, I suppose about 10k a day overall. Nice. Four or five is that, that sort of early one with the dogs. And they love it too. Excellent. To be recommended. If, you're, if you've got a climate where you can get out, get out and walk. All right. So my question
0: with this is how do you get the dogs to walk? Because my dog, well, I took it for a walk the other morning. We have, a you know, just a standard road up our street She zigzags from curb to curb, depending where the best smell is. Uh, Walking in a straight line, I don't get any of that. I just, most of the time, my energy is expended by pulling the dog away from whatever she's trying to get into that she probably shouldn't sniff Mm -hmm. or eat. Uh, Um, And yeah, I, you know, the the heart rate, that's just from stress. It's not actually from the walking. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've got to teach the dog to walk. How do I do that, Stu?
1: no idea um i mean i've got uh i've got a, a speedster and a dawdler so the speedster is charlie the jack russell he's the stronger of the two dogs so he's in my left hand because i'm left-handed uh so my left shoulder is yanked forward uh and spicy the poodle shipu uh, sh- uh poodle shih tzu cross uh she's a dawdler so my right arm is pulled backwards uh, and as you say any any deposits left by cats or indeed other animals are absolutely fascinating and sometimes a nice little appetizer um for both of them and it is a bit of a nightmare to uh to keep them going but mm. generally i find violence and swearing works
0: uh it's kind of hard to
1: swear at a dog that looks like coco though <laughs> well plus the fact that she'd just ignore you anyway
0: well this is true. Yeah, she her tail goes up and she kind of walks away from me and gives me that, you know, princess look. Oh, well, <laughs> dogs, who'd
1: have them? All right Stu, what's your uh, pen of the week? Uh my pen of the week, well I'm still um I'm I'm just looking around. Yeah, I'm still reasonably well equipped. I've got in my hand I've got the green Lamy because it's St. Patrick's Day as we record, so I've got to be using something green. I'm going to have to find something green. Oh, I <laughs> didn't think about this. But the one that I inked up this week uh, was my Coeco Sport. I've got a Coeco Sport in raw aluminium, which means it will soon look like one big scratch. But it's got a medium nip. Uh, I lucky dipped for a cartridge and got a blue one. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a Coeco Sport. So it goes in my back pocket. I'm, mm. I'm carrying a pocket notebook again. Oh. A, a sure sign that the world is coming back onto its axis. Uh, I'm using a Field Notes um, 10th Anniversary Edition, so one of the old-school retro red ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, living the dream, loving it. What about you? What have you got, sir, on the go this week?
0: Well, I'm still rocking the last pens, and I tell you, I love, love, love the Mont Blanc Lucky Orange. I haven't used it in a while, and wow, it is just so vibrant. You know, you don't think of orange as being one of those colours that Pops off the page, Mm. and this one just really does. It's absolutely gorgeous, so I love that. Uh, My wife was out with the girls the other day and found this really neat little store that sold a whole bunch of recycled stuff. Um, It's kind of one of those artsy, knick-knack types of stores, so she bought me some very nice things, including some uh, really beautifully scented... Uh, soap. I don't know what she's trying to tell me there, but you know, hey, uh, maybe I've been at home alone too long in in my room here. But she also picked up some pencils, and these were made from a company called Parwana, and they're handcrafted, I'm going to give you the official word, uh, handcrafted using cotton and silk textile remnants and plant fibers, which Sounds kind of interesting, but basically it's like wrapped in old newspaper and other fabric castoffs. So it's, it's kind of, you can see kind of, kind of the newspaper through it. It's really neat. Uh, it's an HB, it's a little scratchy graphite, but it's, it's very writable. And I've really enjoyed sharpening one of those up in the doll that I bought uh on from the podcast actually Lisa recommended one for a pencil sharpener that did not create teeth marks so i've been using that and it's it's been a kind of cool little
1: experience yeah very nice those newspaper pencils um there's there's a few people in india that make them they're very very cool
0: uh with a name like pawana i i would not be surprised if this sort of comes from a different uh, area of the world you know somewhere Somewhere to the east of us.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. Um I'm gonna guess India's a decent bet. Mm. Yeah, no, they make some uh I saw quite a few at the London Stationery show. Um we we never carried them in the end, but um that you know, they're nice. It's just something different, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it was it's kind of a novelty thing and it's still it's still writable, which is good. Um, because, you know. Actually when, when you say India, um, I'm actually not surprised because I have uh, some other Indian pencils. Uh, and the lead is actually very similar mm-hmm. to an Indian pencil. So uh, they didn't come in a box or anything. They didn't say where they were made, but I would not at all be surprised if they they came from there because of the lead. Mm. Uh, I don't think they're Japanese because they're not quite soft enough. They're not uh, smooth enough for the Japanese lead. But Anyway, and, and they're a lot better quality than some of that cheap Chinese stuff. But we won't
1: go into pencil lead snobbery. We'll leave that for pencil 57. lead snobbery. Yes, I I shall be on that later, I'm sure. <laughs> right. So what are we gonna be talking about today then? We've we've trailed this a couple of times, Justin. What's mm. what, what is it exactly? Stuff. So I'm I'm reconsidering my stuff, Stu.
0: And more than anything, I'm considering the cognitive load that stuff has on me. Uh, This started a couple of weeks ago. I went to the coast and I cleaned out my storage locker. Now I have, it wasn't a storage locker in a traditional sense. Uh, What I had was a storage room that was heated that I used on the coast to store my motorcycles in for the winter. And because of the difficulty in actually finding somewhere that was powered and heated and at a point that you can actually drive a motorcycle into it. Uh, I kept it all year round. When we were moving, what I did was, you, you know, you've got to take everything and put it in boxes and reorganize it. So I took some of my stuff that I wasn't too worried about the movers moving, you know, some of the more expensive, more fragile stuff that I wanted to move myself. And I put it in my storage locker because I brought the bikes up here in a separate trip. And so because I couldn't go back for, you know, after the floods in November, I finally went down and I cleared that out, loaded up my truck full of, you know, everything from Harley Davidson parts to, well, my comic book collection. And then I got here and I unloaded it all and I went, now where the heck am I going to put this? And more importantly, why am I keeping it? And that's got me re-evaluating my relationship with the stuff that I've accumulated over the last, well, 30-odd years. I managed to get rid of a lot of stuff before we moved. But, you know, certainly some of these things that are collections and have value are somewhat problematic for me. Mm -hmm. I just read a book called It's All Too Much by Peter
1: Walsh. Have you ever heard of this one, Stu? I've heard about it in the same place that you have, but um, I haven't read it.
0: Merlin Mann recommended it on Rectifs a couple of weeks ago. Uh, He he called it a book like uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen that changed his life. And I got to say, you know, putting that in the same vein as Getting Things Done in terms of changing your life said, that's something I need to read. Um, And much like Getting Things Done, I think this probably had a time and a place I wasn't quite as smitten with it. You know, you know how some books, they have good ideas, but they're very niche. And then they fill it out by basically duplicating everything 15 different times to say the same thing and make a 200-page book that you can sell. This was one of those books. Mm-hmm. Basically, room by room, he went through and talked about how to clean up your stuff. Now, I'm not quite the hoarder that this book recommends or is trying to deal with. I don't have piles of paper covering every surface, but I am sort of a natural collector. And and this is creating the problem because now I have a pile of comic books. I've got some extra model cars that uh, are part of my collection that I'm looking at and going, I have too much stuff. Mm. And I know you are a little different from me. Oh, I don't know about that. You you have moved a lot. We've talked that you are much more minimalist. I've seen your desk and, you know, just looking at mine and the amount of technology that seems somehow to creep on it. I know that you are much more minimalist uh, than I am. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about your relationship and then we can sort of dig into these questions that I have about how do I deal with stuff? And how do I reevaluate my relationship with stuff? I think that's the... The catchy way of saying it nowadays, isn't Ooh, it, still?
1: I think it is. I mean, look, I, I think that we have been, uh, for generations now, we've been encouraged to accumulate. And, um, you know, the generations after us are probably encouraged to accumulate even more. But um, the, I suppose the trick to it is be born to a services family, <laughs> which I was, and then go to a boarding school. So uh, your entire life involves a trunk and moving stuff from school back home to school to home to school to repeat for, you know, 10 years of education. And that in it itself becomes a limiting factor, I think. Um, and then from there, I I became, uh, I was a digital nomad before they'd invented digital. so. Um, I was first working in Paris and then the Costa del Sol and back in Paris and then Méribel, and Nice, then Paris, then Lancaster, then Paris, then Budapest. Okay. I have to ask how Lancaster fits into that, that list of beautiful places in Europe. And then you got Lancaster. Lan- Lancaster is beautiful, lad. All right. <laughs> it's, it's also where I went to university. So, mm, Okay. Um, I was I was working in Paris in the holidays and studying in Lancaster in in the winters. Um, and yes, there, there was a significant difference between the two. <laughs> but while I was working in, in foreign exchange, I lived in, um, you know, like everybody does, you know, I, I, I shared apartments with people. You, you have a room here and, you know, we would get together and say, okay, let's go and find ourselves a cool place. And, you know, eventually we were in a place that, I think there were four of us renting it, but probably about nine of us living in it. Oh, wow. And it, yeah, it was very sort of, I'd love to say it was very bohemian. You know, everybody was having a great time. Uh, it was bohemian with a capitalist edge because we we're, were all working for a bureau of charge. So all of that travel meant that, you know, at, at the end of each assignment or whatever, I would have to pack up and leave. Now, sometimes that was fine because the corporate uh thing was you know okay we'll get in a big mover and they'll move everything for you but you've got to be reasonably senior to get that (laughs) in my junior days it's like yeah you're you're done with budapest now we need you in Prague. okay how do i get there well you could walk but it would take you a while um get a plane all right okay i'm thinking well how much can i take on a plane Mm -hmm. so um you know i've probably bought sold lost given away trashed more ikea furniture than most because (laughs) that that was kind of how how we lived you know i'd find a new place get in some the minimum of furniture then go through that sort of accumulating stuff and then look at it all faced with okay you've got to move a thousand miles how are you going to do this and that that helps that that keeps you focused but it's very much uh, aspirational for me. I, I don't want these things that that I keep finding myself surrounded by, because my, my wife is she, she loathes the idea of throwing anything away. Mm-hmm. So, um, with this house, which used to be my parents' house, um, when we took it over, we kitted it out as a as a holiday home. So again, the mighty IKEA. <laughs> we went off and bought some some of that furniture that, you know, just looks lovely. It's, it's always a bit awkward to put together, but hey. Um, and we got some couches and uh, you know stuff for the kitchen and, you know, everything that one might need. And then sort of two years later, we went, oh, let's go and move to Cyprus. And so took all of the stuff that we had in the UK, put it in a big container, uh, along with a big BMW, and brought it all over here. So now I've got couches everywhere. <laughs> you can go to bathrooms in my house and there are couches. Because my wife said, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's in my way. (laughs) Can we get rid of it? Can we give it to someone? And my wife is all for selling this sort of stuff. Oh. And I said, great. Okay, well, you list it. Uh, You get it up there and you deal with all the people coming to your house to have a look at your house and the furniture in it. At which point she goes, no, I don't think I want to sell it. Hmm, okay then. (laughs) So let's just give it to so-and-so or us, and if they don't want it, uh, we have a, Cyprus has a great system where you just put something outside your house and it disappears. (laughs) Um, I I call them the Wombles. (laughs) Cypriots are very much like um, uh, people in the States or Canada, you know, everybody's got a truck and they're driving along with their truck and they'll stop, they'll go, look at that, that's a fridge. Stavros, look, it's a fridge. And they'll get, it, and you can watch them. I can watch. It for my pocket and look, they get out and they look at it, and they'll open the door and they'll go, "Yeah, look, it's got fridgy type, you know, things in it. Yeah, it looks like everything. It's got a plug on it. Yeah, it's got a plug." And they'll pick it up, put it in the back of the truck, and off it goes. Whoosh. And I mean, you can put anything out there: neutron bomb, washing machine, old wardrobe. Doesn't matter. Somebody will find a use for it. And I think it's brilliant. It's great. Uh, but, but Margaret can't bring yourself to do it so uh, you know i've got beds that i've taken apart and put in lofts mm. um and, you know i'm just dreading the day when i would have to get them down again <laughs> where, where there's you know going to be all these pieces but they're all in sort of black bin liners wrapped up and taped and you know labeled and you bring them all down and you go what's that uh it's a sort of 1970s style double bed do we want it no let's throw it away good Well, i'm glad we stored that for 15 years excellent great work so I I have the exact same feelings as you do when I look at some of the accumulations of things that I have. I go, I really don't need this. And it it's sitting there serving no purpose where it could serve a purpose for someone else. So, you know, I have a whole load of books and I, all my life I've had this huge problem with getting rid of books. Yeah. I can't bring myself to to do anything other than you know give them one at a time to somebody to say read this it's great mm. but i've got way too many and a lot of them are you know great for what they were you know jack reacher fantastic great am i going to read it again no if i want to read it again i'll just get his new jack reacher which will basically be the same as the old jack reacher but they would have changed the town <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine it's brilliant i love it But I don't need to keep it. I really don't need to keep it. Mm. And If you could get rid of it, then there's space. And space is nice.
0: It is. Yeah. I went through a lot of that. I gave away, uh, well, truckloads of books, uh, which was quite embarrassing, actually, to see. Uh, My my sister came and said, uh, oh, if you're getting rid of some books, I have a friend who does a, they do a sale uh, to raise money for charity. Hmm. So I said, Sure, come on. You've got, I've got lots yeah. of books. Uh, Here's 4,000 books. She couldn't fit them all in her... You know, she's got a a big uh, Jag SUV, really lovely car, but she couldn't actually fit them all in the back of her car. Mm-hmm. There were that many of them. So, you know, I ended up uh, donating boxes and boxes. It was like anybody I knew at work, hey, uh, what kind of stuff do you like to read? Here, let me bring you in a collection. You know, the books were, were fine. I, I managed to distance myself in a, in some ways to the value that was implicit in them. I, and that's been, that's been fine. I got rid of, you, you know, as you were talking about the, the seventies bed that was tucked away, I'd been at my last house for 22 years. So I'd accumulate a lot of those things. Now, my last house was, it was a barn. It was a character house. So all along the sides of the house, it had a, a gamble roof. Have you ever seen pictures of North American barns? They kind of have, mm-hmm. you know, they've got a front and the back and they've got basically these wraparounds roofs that go down all the way down the side. Yep. And that created these storage wings and boy, did I use those. So I got rid of all the stuff out of there and I moved what I thought was essential. And I'm in a house that has, well, lousy lousy storage. I'm in a square box. There are no places to tuck away stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What I had thought about doing of putting stuff in the garage is realized, Hey, my garage is not heated. It gets cold in the winter. If you can't put books in there, they will go moldy in no time because of the sure. lack of heat. And that really changed sort of my relationship with some of this. So I've got, I've got stuff, you know, I got rid of, I sold a bunch of stuff. Uh, I sold some of my collectible stuff. But I still have a ton of it. I just kind of ran out of time, packed it, and moved it. But now I have this problem. You know, I I, I could do that with my books. You know, I, I got rid of probably about a third of my books. Uh, I could do that with a lot of things. But these collectibles that I have, well, I've I've... Back in the '90s, I used to go around and look for certain issues, and you know, they—they, they, I've paid good money for them. I've enjoyed them. They have residual value. I'm—I'm I'm having a much more difficult time figuring out what I'm going to do with them. Just to give you an example, I've got—I'm going to be embarrassed saying this on on air. I've got about three thousand comics, probably over that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make a career out of list- listing these one at a time on eBay in order to recoup some of the value that I've invested in them. And I know myself, I would not be comfortable just giving those away because of, you know, the high value of money that is tied up in those. You know, there's, there's well, my new Mac Studio probably sitting there plus, Right, so you know, it's it's not an inconsequential amount, Mm -hmm. but to to get that to get that value out of them, because well, it's it's overwhelming, Stu. I don't know what to do about it. Mm. Uh, The book, uh, you know, when I was talking about "It's All Too Much" by Peter Walsh, it's of a time he recommends taking them to. You remember those eBay stores they had back in the early two thousands, where you went and you gave your stuff to somebody and they listed it on eBay and they took a chunk of it and gave you the rest and they did all the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he recommends for getting rid of stuff is like, I haven't seen one of those in
1: 20 odd years, you know? For sure. But I bet, I bet there are people who would sell it for you.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too sure up here.
1: Agents. I. I so I, I I'm going to guess that a lot of them would work on, sort of escrows and all that stuff and you could just do it all remotely another suggestion i would have would be you know f- find your people find find the tribes whether they be on facebook or you know there'll be there'll be several discourses who are you know mad about comic a mm. um and as you say you know just say look i'm getting rid of you know the complete series of from this year to that year of this comic um you know, sensible offers considered us and, and just try and rationalize the selling process you're not going to get as much i, mm-hmm. I don't think than if you sold them individually but yeah you know, it, it's you get an omnifocus project open and uh get some tasks in there get on and get it done well i, I went through just even to catalog these and i went through two boxes i've
0: got mm-hmm. probably 11 different boxes hmm. and oh boy was that work and it was work that I didn't enjoy. Sure, it was you know, it was challenging. And you know, it's not. It's not just that. There's other stuff that I look at and I I question the value of. Mm. You know, does does anybody need you know ten, twelve keyboards that I have? Sure. Um, you know, fifteen guitars. You know, I'm just looking at my relationship and going. You know, these these collections that st- still have value and. You know, to some, some extent, like my, my musical equipment, I, I use them all differently. I, I can justify to myself all kinds of stuff. But hey, I could justify ordering myself a third Mac that I don't need just because one very specific use case is faster. Sure. So I, I am not good at rationalizing my, um, my ability to look at stuff objectively. And, you know, it does, it does carry with it a weight, you know, this, I walk past these, these comics are, well, they're, they're located uh, sort of in a spare space I have in, in my living area downstairs here, which is where my music room is. It's where my couch is. It's where my wet bar is. Uh, But they're sitting there looking at me. They're taunting me every time I walk past them. I can't put them in in a room and hide them somewhere because I've got nowhere to hide them. (laughs) And this is, you know, it creates this, this conflict. And I've never, I, I mean, I felt it sometimes before, but really this is, this is creating sort of this cognitive load on me, this, this stress, this pressure that I've got all this stuff that I don't know exactly what to do with. And I'm conflicted about how to, how to, how to deal with it. Do I just get rid of it? You know, I'm free to the first kid that comes and, uh, then I would have to say, oh, some of these comics. Well, they're not suitable for kids. So show me your ID, please, uh, because you know I was an adult collector, and there's some interesting stuff in there. But yeah, it's it's just it's a weird situation to be in. And I realize, you know, I'm 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 super privileged. I I, I have um, lived in one particular area. This is a you know multiple collections that I've built up over time when I've been very privileged to have a roof over my head, to have disposable income for all of this stuff. So I, I, I don't want to come across whining about, uh, that what I'm trying to do is start the conversation and say, you know, stuff can, can be very, very stress inducing. It can be cognitive load. It can really, uh, be a weight on your shoulders. Sure. No, I agree. I'm I'm trying to figure out. This is a battle I'm dealing with myself. Uh, of Of how do I do that? And in some cases, giving stuff away that was easy. The stuff that is left that has tangible value, though, it gets a lot harder for me. You know, maybe I'm cheap. I don't know.
1: Well, no, it's 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 about framing, Justin, isn't it? It's those comics that you bought and that you collected. Um, uh, let's say two thousand AD, because it's probably the only comic I know. You got 2000 AD issues one to 200. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's worth money or it's not worth money. I have no idea. But you bought them because at the time uh, you were passionate about them. You wanted to read them. um, You loved them. You had a great time. You've had your value. Mm -hmm. They were brilliant. And if you'd been, I don't know, stew and, and bought, you know, episode uh, episode one issue one and gone oh that was amazing that was fantastic and thrown in the bin Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be thinking about this what what's happened now is that you've created in your mind this obligation you know it's 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 the same as the sunk cost fallacy isn't it you know i've put such such money into this and oh look they've appreciated and therefore Mm -hmm. you know this is this is a thousand dollars sitting here Yes, potentially it is. But as you pointed out, it might cost $800 of your time to realize that thousand dollars, or you might be able to give them away, or there will be several stations in between those two extremes. Mm -hmm. And it's about reframing the value and saying, well, these were fantastic. I loved having them. I loved having the big collection. Now I want to get some money for them, but I don't want to have too much hassle, or I want to get all the money for them, or I want to give them someone else. Mm.
0: Never an easy choice that you just give me, Steve.
1: I And you're right; <laughs> no. I, I,
0: you are completely right. And that's the worst part is I know you're completely right, but there is still this. You know, I can I can trade all of these for you know a ten thousand dollar computer um, that sits in my mind and makes you go, then get on and do it. Yeah, but again, you know.
1: Maybe that. Maybe you make that promise to yourself.
0: <laughs> three thousand listings on eBay. I mean, no,
1: it's not going to take you three thousand. It might take you, uh, I don't know, fifty.
0: Shipping stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, you're talking to the guy that uh, a couple of weeks ago bought new nibs because he was too lazy to go to the post office and send back the damaged um, pen to the U.S. Manif- um, reseller sure you know i i just went out and threw money at the problem to solve it so you know i listening to that and myself means you know throw money at it um just make it go away but you know there's a there's a part of me
1: there is a way that you could get value for those comics in one or two sales mm. i don't know what that way is because i know nothing about comics but i suspect if you put yourself to to google for 4 hours you may might find i don't know maybe it's someone in vancouver that would take them
0: yeah the 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 bigger problem there is uh just location here i think in vancouver this would have been less of a concern uh but you know you're dealing with a much bigger
1: cross section of people sure but you're you know you're going to vancouver regularly where well, you going to be mm, yeah i don't know if i'd take all those back down with me again <laughs> you would if somebody was going to give you a new computer for them.
0: Uh, that's true.
1: I just, I, you know,
0: it's funny. I've got a set of rules. I've uh, Text Expander, we talked about that last week. Mm. I have some Text Expander snippets for giving stuff away mm-hmm. um, that include things like, I will not hold this. Uh, it is the first person to text to me, message me, and tell me they will be at these cross streets and then you will get it. I will only give you the address at that time. If you do not show up at the confirmed time, it goes on to the next person. And these were all text Expander snippets because I just got tired with trying to give stuff away. Selling stuff? Oh my God, Stu. Ah, what a nightmare. You know, people are people are flaky.
1: Oh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't sell anything online. I I just can't be bothered. So if um if I'm gonna occasionally I've cashed in. Uh, Apple stuff to Apple. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, found people to pass things on to, but yeah, I, I don't get into listing things. Just as you say, people are flaky. There's, um, I, okay, I'm pretty good with, with online fraud and stuff because of my profession. And I've had you know, I've had people trying to fish me and I've had them, you know, I I then counterfish fish them. And I mean, it's just something that AML consultants do in their spare time. But <laughs> yeah, I... You, Margaret, as she, as I said, you know she'll say, "Oh, we should list this." No, if, well, you can, but I'm not, uh, because I don't want people coming to my house. I I don't want mm-hmm. uh, to be getting into you know discussions of whether it's this or it's that or it's the next thing. I, I'd much rather just find it in you home. But as you say, that does that does <laughs> predispose uh, an appreciation of the value as yeah. Mm-hmm. I ha- I had my value at it. I squeezed it dry. I've loved it. And if somebody else can get some more value out of it, then fantastic. That's brilliant. They should have it.
0: Yeah. The the challenge for me, and I'm going to be honest on this one, is I look at this and they still have memories. They have some of value to me. And, you know, out, out of these, not all of the comics are going to go. There are some that mean more, but there are some that I've kind of looked at and said, you know, kind of like the books. I'm probably not going to read those again. These are the Jack Reachers of of the comics that I had. Sure. Um, you know, the comics that are very, very meaningful. I've got you know, um, there's a a series that uh, I had a particular uh, comic book artist sign for me, and he since passed away. Those mm-hmm. the meaning that's there, they're never going to go. Um, sure. But, and and that's fine. I'm 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 okay with those. But the other stuff. It's a bit like the Jack Reacher books, and the fact that yeah, maybe I'll go back and look at them. And they have sort of that memory. There were a good time in my life. I mean, I was, I was in sort of my early twenties. I was going to university, and that was kind of a nice distraction for me. Sure, uh, you know those wonderful days when you were single, and yeah, I had more money than sense. I don't know what happened <laughs> to those days, Stu. A- anyway, um, yeah, I've I've got to reconcile myself with parting with them is giving that implicit value to myself. I've I've almost given myself a number on there and mm-hmm. if I can get rid of them for more than that then it makes sense if not then my natural reaction is I have this much implicit value and I'm okay with that sitting here. But again it creates that cognitive load. Sure. So you're 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 completely correct. It all comes down to money and your perception of it and stuff and it's complicated and I don't like it and I'm whiny and I don't want to get rid of stuff. I like my stuff too. I need a bigger house. That's what I've got to do. I've got to do the,
1: buy another house. The, the,
0: the, the normal thing of buying a bigger house that has space for all the stuff. That's it. I'll tell my wife I'm going to move and see how well that goes
1: over. Well, for me, things will probably, I'll, I'll get some progress. on that. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you a couple of projects that I have on at the moment. Hmm. So in my, uh, I'm in a, what you call a, a a walkout basement, I think is what you call it in North America. Yeah. So the front of my house is where my office is. And there's a little utility room and uh, a sort of furnace room. And then everything else is above that. So in the furnace room is where my parents kept all their sort of DIY stuff. Mm. And, both of my parents are from that generation. They were born in uh, Second World War, end of the Second World War. Uh, so you keep stuff. Yeah, like You have little tins that say things, pieces of string too short to use, that sort of thing, right? Um, so I've opened up old biscuit tins, and in there, there are nails. Lots and lots of nails, mostly rusted. To the extent, I mean, I'm not talking 20 nails. I'm talking 4,000 nails. (laughs) Um, And me being me, oh, I need to nail something up. I go to the hardware store. I buy a little box of very shiny nails for, I don't know, a dollar. (laughs) And then go home, use four of them, and then put the rest in the box with the other 4,000 nails. Mm -hmm. So... What I've been doing is I take I, one of my domestic jobs, one of my few domestic jobs, to take the trash down. And so I've been gradually just, I go into the little furnace room and I go open a box and go, yeah, that's rubbish, that's rubbish. I'm just picking things out bit by bit by bit by bit by bit, just in my normal domestic trash, slowly moving that, because that's, that's what you call undercover mm-hmm. minimalism. So Mrs. L has no idea that's going on. <laughs> but in August... There is talk of her going to see a friend in sicily oh and there will be i don't know how this is going to translate to north america but there will be a skip
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh on my on my driveway before she's in the air there will be a skip there and i will be up in lofts pulling things out i will be in the furnace room throwing things into this skip <laughs> getting rid getting rid getting rid <laughs> And then she'll come back, and this happens every time. She goes, have you seen that tea towel from 1984? damn it. Uh.
0: (laughs) I think I'm Mrs. L in this situation. I'm kind of like that. (laughs) Though I will be honest, we did actually have a skip uh, come to the old house when we were moving and clean up all the stuff because I I went through and said, you know what, I'm paying a lot of money for a big truck to move all my stuff. I don't want to take all of this stuff that... Uh, you know, the 1970s beds that were tucked in the, the side wings of the house. I got rid of those. So I'm starting from a pretty decent place. Uh, I don't have, I've already got rid of my rusty nails. Um, but yeah, it's it's
1: complicated. <laughs> well, the only thing that Mrs. L has ever agreed that we should get rid of, we need. So um, she, she had a terrible time with the back. Um, people who've listened to me before will know she, she was basically, she was Mm bedbound for months at the start of the pandemic and she had to have operations and, and so she has terrible trouble, um, finding the right sort of sleeping position, the right mattress and all that. Uh, and we had a very, we had a bed made for us, uh, in the UK and it's made of, it's like sleigh bed Mm -hmm. and it's made of walnut, lovely. So very, very nice, beautiful bed. Mm. Um, French company. And we had a good old-fashioned mattress on it. So, you know, highly sprung, uh, sort of firm mattress. And uh, Margaret was convinced that it was giving her a hard time, this mattress. It was too hard for her. And so I said, okay, well, look, you know, let's let's find something that's comfortable for you to sleep. Because as you will know, Justin, if, if the wife isn't comfortable, you're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's just the way the world works. So...
0: I also have the same thing with the dog. If the dog isn't comfortable, I'm not sleeping as well, but,
1: you know. Exactly. But anyway, so we we went out and we tried lots of mattresses, and there was, you know, some astonishing prices that people charge for mattresses. I mean, even me, and I'm generally not price sensitive, I was like, wow, that that is just the mattress you're quoting me there, is it? Oh. It's, it's not the entire room. So, no, no, just the mattress. Right, okay, great. And eventually... We settled upon something made by a, a very reputable Chinese company. Um, and it's multi-level, multi-layer, multi-material. It, it is all the gear. Ooh. Okay. It's like a blancmange. <laughs> it's the worst mattress on the planet. But mm-hmm. there we go. We're, we're in the store. She said, right, you lie on it. Okay, I'm lying on it. Right, I'm going to lie on it. Okay. You, are you comfortable? I don't know. All right. We'll lie there a bit longer. Can you get up? Yep. Okay. I'll get up. Get on again. She, wa- she wanted to test whether I was going to catapult her out of the bed or, you know, roll her towards me as I put my considerable heft onto to my side. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's great. Okay. We'll take this one. So we took that one, got it back. Well, we didn't get it. got delivered. Um, the old man I said, okay, so what, what about with the old match? Oh, I'll get rid of it. Okay. So I did put it down and wombles, had it away in minutes. I'm not surprised. It was worth the price of a small house. (laughs) Six weeks later, this mattress is really bad for my back. How do you find it? I hate it as much now as the day we bought it. It's awful. It's a blancmange. And now I'm like, okay, should we go out and buy a new mattress? No, we've got one, but it's uncomfortable. You can't sleep. It's the whole sunk value thing. Mm -hmm. Sunk cost. Anyway, mattresses.
0: Hi, uh, my wife just dropped a small fortune on a mattress and bed for people that don't even exist. So I understand the mattress dilemma like you would not believe.
1: Well, as long as it's nice and firm, because I, you know, I do have eyes on a visit to Canada. So I'd, (laughs) I'd like a firm mattress. I haven't even seen this. You can put a board under it. She she went out and bought it all on her own. So you know what could go wrong. Ad, what could possibly go? At least it won't be your fault. Uh,
0: you know how this works, Stu. It's going to be my fault anyway. Okay, it will be
1: your fault for not going.
0: Yeah, uh, that's about it. Ah, that's crazy. All right, you've given me thoughts, Stu. I appreciate it. That's a great conversation. I'm curious also for any of our listeners that have been through this. You know. How do you reconcile sort of the value of things? Um, do you just have Wombles where you live? Um, do we have to explain Wombles for the American listeners
1: to do? I'll put a link in the show notes. Exactly. Um, and, and maybe next week I'll sing you the theme tune if you want. <laughs> Underground, overground, wombling free. <laughs> the Wombles of Wimbledon, common are we. Oh,
0: oh God. That's a, that takes me wonderful. back to my childhood. Uh, yes, it was a, it was an English cartoon slash animated stop motion thing that
1: look it up just look it up and watch one and you will be converted it's uh it's awesome Ah, (laughs) all
0: right so I'm i'm gonna have to look for some wombles and more than anything i'm gonna have to reconcile sort of that's my takeaway parting with things is easy until there are significant amounts of money involved the sunk costs then it becomes much more complicated to reconcile and really, you've got to look at that relationship with with the money, the sunk cost, and try to figure out how you can best reconcile that for yourself. You know, there is there is a cognitive cost to having stuff around, and uh, you know, I'm certainly looking at that at the moment and trying to figure this out. <sighs> Stu, you are giving me some homework? <laughs> give me some give me some takeaways here.
1: Oh, uh, well, look, my takeaway is that I'm an aspiring minimalist, uh, but with with collecting tendencies, um, which I'm sure we'll get to next week. But um, I think this is a really common issue for people um, of, I suppose, the 20th century vintage and, and now the 21st. Mm. Um, as consumerism and, uh, uh, you know, wealth just grew and grew and grew, a lot of people have a lot of stuff lying around. Equally, there's going to be a lot of people who are, you know, Right now, in in tough financial situations, listening to this, going, Justin, just get off your backside, sell the stuff for the money, and then send me the money if you need to. <laughs> you know, this is as as you've said, you know, it's very much a first world problem. But I, I I'm the older you get, as well. I think the more this stuff weighs upon you. I, I get, I feel like things are judging me. Yeah, I look at my iPad and go, yes, I know I don't use you very much. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I I need to find a home for you, (laughs) don't I? I feel guilty.
0: Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? All right. I'm kind of curious. Our next topic. I'm going to give a little teaser because we're. I'm kind of. This is this is one you put in. It is collection confessions (laughs) with no actual numbers required, which is probably good. I, I get a I wonder if I can, like, geolock our podcast feed to make sure my wife doesn't actually hear uh, <laughs> the collection confessions for next time. It's going to be an interesting one. I, I can't wait to talk about it. But until then, Stu, where can people find you on the interwebs?
1: Uh, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or at Uh or on the Twitter machine, you can find me at Stu Lennon. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you?
0: Well, I... Probably the easiest place to find links to both of us is stationeryadjacent.com. You can find me at justintwyford.com and sort of lurking on Twitter. Really, I'm only on Twitter to follow Wordle at the moment because it kicked my butt yesterday and I'm grumpy at it. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter at JJ Twyford. You can email both of us with your comments at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. I'd really like to hear your feedback on how you reconcile your stuff. Please like and review us on your podcast. catcher choice. We certainly do appreciate your recommendations to friends and colleagues until next week. Goodbye and stay productive.
1: Yes. Sis.